0: Hi, everybody. This is Kyler Bingham with Salt Lake Dirt and KPCR 101.9 FM. Um, Super excited to have um, this guest on my show today. Uh, I I just got a copy a few weeks back, um, a book called Cursed Images. Um, It came out in late August uh, incredible, incredible book of short stories. I, I fell in love with it and just devoured it. And I think it's a book I'm going to be coming back to. Um, but Ruben, um, Denninger is the author of the book and he is here uh, to talk with us today. Ruben, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Kyler. Absolutely. So I guess like, um, I, I love this book. Like I, I really, I really dug at it. It's, it's, it's totally my kind a uh, book I am confident our listeners this will be their style of book as well so we'll make sure um we'll have links to where you can pick up a copy because it is widely available right now. Let's just talk about kind of the genesis of the of the of the book, how it kind of came together, um the the title of it as well. I'm curious yeah. about. So maybe just how um when did you decide to put all of these into this collection uh, mm-hmm. as a book and to name it Cursed Images?
1: Yeah. Um. So I've always loved short fiction and the sort of like gothic and weird short fiction. Um, like I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Lovecraft and like that kind of stuff. And whenever I was younger, like my late teens, early 20s, I wrote a lot of short fiction, um, most of it was very bad. Um, maybe some of it was okay, but I did none of it was published. Um, I kind of set aside short fiction. I was in college, I went to grad school, I worked on like other writing projects. And then um, three years ago, I was like, okay, I really wanna go back to writing short fiction. Um, and so, yeah, it was basically exactly three years ago, in like, like October of 2020. Um, I was just sat down and I wrote what ended up being the first story in the collection. Um, and I was really pleased with how it turned out and I decided like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. And I spent the next, um, year and a half, two years just writing lots and lots of short fiction. I wrote almost like a story a month. And then at the end of that two year period, I took everything I wrote and I picked the best ones. So I picked 13 stories that seemed to fit together um, into this manuscript. And I started submitting it um, to publishers. And what I found, I didn't. So when I started writing stories, I was like, I'm just going to write all kinds of different things, like whatever ideas I can come up with while I'm working on this. What ended up happening, though, was that I found this sort of thematic through lines that kind of emerged during this period and i found a lot of the stories were about um arts and like visual arts and dreams and hallucinations and like ghosts and visions and and stuff like this so they kind of loosely go together i think and while i was editing the stories towards the ends of you know putting them all together i got the idea for this title if anyone you know listeners who are spend a lot of time on the Internet might know this phrase, cursed images. So it was a Tumblr page and like a Twitter page. And there's like a. Reddit, there's like a subreddit called Cursed Images, but it's just like this Internet phrase that means like, you know, weird kind of spooky or surreal photographs or images that circulate on the Internet. And um, I just loved this phrase. And as it turned out, as far as I know, no one has used it as a title for a book. Um, because I think my fiction is kind of, like I was saying, centered around these like, um, and I can talk more about this, uh, I guess, but also the way I write fiction is really kind of centered around description and, and trying to create this mood or atmosphere and focus on these strange, trying to conjure these strange kind of visions or images. So it seemed like a, a fitting title and and cursed images because the stories really tend towards being, I don't know, um, some of them, I would say I did conceive of them as horror stories Mm -hmm. that's not how I think of the book as a whole necessarily Um, several of them are not horror stories but they all have a kind of um, I don't know supernatural or dark kind of uh, bent to them I guess
0: yeah for sure like it does like it it's a it's a beautiful collection because it does like it does give similar feelings throughout at least for me and um, and I'll correct myself, I called it, so it's cursed images, not cursed images. So like now- I don't know, you can
1: like, say it however you want.
0: <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, but I think for for me, I don't read, or at least I haven't in a long time, I haven't read a ton of um, recently short fiction. And I think when I, when I do actually sit down and take the time to read some good f- short fiction, I realize how, to me, it just seems like very difficult- to do it well, and you did it well in this collection. So writing a short story, it just seems so challenging for me where, you know, the novel's challenging, of course, yes, but you have, I feel like with a short a short piece or like a short film, I talked to a lot of filmmakers, you really gotta get it right. Um, and I think what I love so much about your book is every story I read, like you, I'm immediately in with the characters um, you know, whether it's like a first person or or second person, especially like the first person accounts. Oh my goodness. Like I'm just like in it with that person and I feel like I am that person as I'm reading it. And it was just um I just have just like mad respect for how you were able to pull these off because it it is so well written. So I guess I should ask you like the the writing and then the editing process when you are um writing a short story are you the kind of writer that you tend to have to chop down a lot when you're doing something like this or does it all a lot for the most part kind of come together in the short pages um i know when i write i tend to i just can go on and on and on and on and i have to really check myself um so yeah i'm just curious about your process with with short fiction like how um how does that come about for you yeah, so <clears throat> um, with these stories in particular,
1: um, the way I ap- approached all of them, in fact, was um, I didn't plan anything. And so, like I said, while I, was, while I was writing this book, I wrote a bunch of stories that did not appear in the book because they're not good enough or not good at all, some of them. But um, I would sit down and I would start with... Um, an idea so for example one of the one of the stories in the book uh, it's called the necromancer's driver um i got a phone call from a friend of mine who lives in oregon and he told me about this nightmare that he had this like really really strange and disturbing uh, nightmare and um i loved it and so i immediately asked him if i could write a story about or using this sort of uh the things that happened in the dream these horrible images that he experienced i was like can i use this in a story and he said yes and so um i wrote that story in like um i just sat down and wrote it in like four days Hmm. and some and it turned out pretty well and i did pretty minimal editing afterward so and that's rare though where it's like i can kind of just write bust something out and i'm like really happy with it um often what happens is i will write something more slowly but i'm still kind of like starting with um maybe i uh, like the some of the stories started only with a title where it's like the first story in the collection the brooms of carlac that is a phrase that has been in my mind for literally i think like 11 years i was doing some strange writing in a in a journal a long time ago And I just kind of came up. I was doing some kind of strange, surrealist, like automatic writing, writing these strange, fantastical phrases. And I wrote that phrase and I thought it sounded amazing, but I didn't know what it meant. And so then I sat down to write that story. I had to figure out what it meant. It ended up being about this taking place in New York City and it's about these paintings and stuff. Um, But I didn't know what was going to happen until I just started writing it. And so uh, these stories, there was very little planning. Um, I kind of just let them evolve out of a phrase or an image or something like that. And then if I'm not happy with something, what I would do is typically just rewrite the entire story. So like if I feel like the draft I came up with is not doing justice to the mood I was trying to capture or the what I was trying to express, I will often just like throw it out and just like rewrite the entire story, um, which I find to be. Easier than trying to go in and and like surgically like fix things, which can be really uh, frustrating for me. But often what I'll do too, because I'm just kind of impatient, if I write a story and I'm like, this needs lots of work, I'll just trash the whole story. I'll just move on. I'll just like, I'm just gonna write something something new. Especially like like I said, the, the couple of years I was working on this, I was really in the in the groove of just like writing a lot, so I was able to to do that.
0: Very cool. Um, I, I did want to ask you, so you mentioned like the art world. There's a lot of mention of like visual arts in it. So it seems like you have a, like a familiarity with that world. Um, just kind of curious. Um, uh, I'm kind of, I'm curious about your background, like kind of um, maybe like where you're from originally. You, li- you live in New York right now. Mm, that's right. Okay. So where you're from and just kind of like, What brought you to writing, to art, to kind of like this world where um, you know, where you're at today? Yeah. So um,
1: I've been living in New York for for a couple of years. Um, I moved around a lot before that I grew up in a really, really small town in Western South Dakota in the Black Hills. So I grew up like near Mount Rushmore Mm. in a town of 600 people Okay, in the woods. Um it was a really beautiful place. Um and I miss it all the time. But whenever I was a kid, you know, I, I hated it. I was like desperate to get out because it was such a small, felt very isolated. Now of course I super nostalgic for it and I wish I you know, I visit as often as I can. But um then I moved, I, I lived in um Florida for a bit, New Orleans for a while. I lived in Maine for a long time. Um I moved to New York a couple years ago. But it's funny the um the first story that I wrote. So I started writing this book when I was still living in Maine, right before I moved to New York. And um the first story is set in Brooklyn and it's about the art world. But that was before I had ever been to Brooklyn. I didn't know anything about like the New York City like gallery world and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I did a lot, I tried to do some research, but I also just kind of made stuff up. Um And I had to once I moved, I had to like change some details to make it a a bit more. Even though it's kind of a there's a supernatural kind of dimension to the story, I still wanted it to feel very grounded in, um, you know, I'm talking about like the real estate market and the art market and like the like social scene of like the New York City art world, and I wanted that to feel kind, you know, sort of authentic. So I had to change some stuff, but um, no, like living in New York has been, you know, I've wanted to. I've always wanted to live in New York and I love painting and sculpture. I love visual art um, and cinema. Um, It's a huge part of my life. Um, And uh, yeah, so I mean, that comes through in the book for sure. But that's part of why I wanted to live here. It's one of its maybe the best thing about living in New York is like being surrounded by all of that. It's really inspiring for me.
0: Yeah. No, it could have fooled me that you hadn't been there. That's that's so cool. I love like the the speakeasy they go to, in that that Russian yeah Russian speakeasy that they yeah, go to. you in, know what's in that first you know what's story. funny
1: about that is that I try. So there's this yeah they go to the speakeasy, and it's like high. It's like super exp- like uh, if they only serve vodka and it's super expensive <laughs> and there's like no one else there. It's in this like isolated weird like basement. So I came up with that. I wanted it to seem kind of real but also strange and, and a little bit occult or or unreal at the same time. But what's weird is I've had multiple people tell me, New Yorkers who were like, oh yeah, I've been to places like that. <laughs> and I was like, what? I thought because I thought I was writing something that was a little bit satirical and also just kind of surreal almost. But I don't know.
0: I, I've never <laughs> I used
1: to that place but
0: I have yeah I mean like it, it totally was believable to, to me like I I used to have a, a girlfriend who lived in Brooklyn and I would go there all the time and um it just like yeah it, it just felt to me it just felt pretty dead on um but that's wild that people said that I think like what I what I love about your stories where you do like you do mix in um uh, this is the the first thing that I can remember in a long time where you have like these real life scenarios, but then in a lot of the stories, there's like, um, some supernatural elements to it, but it was so believable to me. It felt like, and I'm a huge skeptic, but I, but like this stuff comes in and it was like, yeah, of course, like this makes so much sense. And it just like, it just works. So, um, you know, and then I, I just, I love, I was just looking through like the kind of the pacing, like the, and maybe we could chat about that, just like the placement of the stories. Um, you know, you have uh, like Milo's Commute, which is, I don't know if you consider that a novella, um, but that's at the end of the book. That's, a you know, about roughly 60 pages or so, I think. Um, but it seems like just like with a, with an album, the albums of yesteryear, it's like there's probably a lot of like thought that goes into placement of the stories. Um, so I'm curious about that process. Um, w- was that an arduous one or, or was it kind of just like place some wherever, but it, it, to me it just, fl- it flowed very well. And I found myself um, like staying up later than I, than I should have just like, <laughs> I'll read this one more. I'll read this one more. So that's like, that's, a like, you know, to me, that's a sign of a good book when it, it, gets in the way of your sleep uh so yeah i guess i could just ask about the placement of the stories themselves yeah definitely um
1: i definitely no. i thought a lot about this um what i wanted was to start off um you know that the first story is set in uh or it's supposed to be feel like a real place at a real time. I'm using like the names of specific neighborhoods and streets in Brooklyn. It's supposed to feel very grounded in like material reality, but it then kind of slowly, you know, there's all this suggestion of like strange otherworldly stuff in that story. And so what I wanted was to start with that and then to to progressively depart from reality. And then in the middle of the book, I think you get some of the most um surreal or dreamlike or just bizarre um writing and then you kind of get back you you start moving back towards reality with the second half of the book and then milo's commute i mean the, the main character is kind of going insane and maybe hallucinating but it's still you know it's set in the real world and um and so i wanted that to be this sort of like uh not exactly coming back to reality exactly, but <laughs> kind of, kind of. Um, but, but yeah, no, I definitely wanted to have that, that sort of um, movement or progression and also um, putting stories side by side that just felt like they went together. Um, I think the stories in the first half are maybe tends to be more about um there's maybe more of the sort of occult supernatural stuff in the first half. In the second half, there's these stories that are more about um, desire and sex and and, um, and just human relationships and stuff or that becomes more important.
0: Yeah, I think like and one of the reasons like when I'm when I'm reading it like late at night, like the title's often would draw me into the next one. So it's like, like I finished reading the real Simon Dick and then the next story is the girl who sucked tea from her sweater. I'm like, well, I have to read this. I have to read this before I go to bed. So <laughs> I, I love like, I love, cause some of the, you know, some of the, you have like one or two words for the short story and then other short stories have like a, a fairly lengthy phrase, but they all just kind of like visually when I'm even looking at the content page, it just kind of like flows, like it kind of like is like a hourglass in a in a in a kind of way. Um, so I think like I, I love the idea that you said with some of the the stories, a title comes to you, and then that's like the basis for where to begin. Does that happen happen often for you, or does it just yeah, kind of come out of nowhere?
1: It varies. I mean, so uh, like the one you mentioned, the girl who sucked tea from her sweater that one was um i don't know when exactly this was i think it was maybe like the I'm, i think it was the winter of 2022 or 21 i'm not sure but there was <clears throat> a viral TikTok, tock okay and it was as this video you can see someone is uh like spying on someone with their phone and they're recording there's this woman at her computer and she's got a cup in a long sleeve sweater and she dips the sleeve of her sweater into her cup and then is sucking the drink out of the sleeve of her sweater and this went viral because it's so insane and and i guess kind of and so i saw this and i was like this is disgusting, but it's also like, it's kind of sexy and kind of amazing and weird. And I was enchanted by it. So I was like, I, I want to, I was immediately was like, I have to write a story about this, but I didn't want to write a story about the woman because I was like, I don't understand really why anyone would do that. So instead (laughs) I wrote a story about the uh, man and you know most of the stories are about because like i'm a male person um and i'm kind of feel trapped in my male perspective and world Mm -hmm. um and i was like i want to write this story about this guy who sees someone doing that and he becomes obsessed with it you know and he's like because somehow there's just something magical and just strange about it and so so yeah so um that's an example of one where it was like I had this image in my mind and I had to write the story around it. And then the title was just I was like, well, what am I gonna call it? Yeah. I guess I'll just call it the girl who
0: sucked tea from her sweater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what else to call
0: it. I love it. Um, I did want to talk about the the um, Zabalba short yeah. story, um, about the about the um, the prescription drug. I found that one really fascinating. Um and how did that one come to you? Maybe you could tell people just a little bit about what the, what the story is and kind of, mm-hmm. um, that cause it like, like, you know, you, you, like I said, it kind of, this one wasn't like paranormal, but it is kind of, you know, it's a, of a different reality, but at the same time, it's like, this is believable to me. <laughs> like in this world we live in, in 2023, like nothing is surprising me at this point, like kind of the stuff that, that happens. And, um, you know, if there was like a possibility for a drug like this, 100% it feels like it would be out there and a lot of people would be taking it. So, um, that one especially really fascinated me in a way. So, I'd mean, I love to hear you talk about that one. Sure. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh,
1: one of my favorite living writers is Thomas Ligotti. Um, and for, for me personally, I think. <clears throat> He is the greatest living writer who's writing in that tradition of like H.P. Lovecraft and the sort of like weird, um, I don't know, almost surrealistic kind of horror short fiction. And he's written some novellas, too, but I think he's really brilliant. Um, and I I think I must have been under the influence of Thomas Ligotti when I wrote that story, because he's got some fiction that's about pharmaceutical drugs and you know specifically thinking about um you know cuz he's he's like a horror writer so he's thinking about depression and insanity and stuff and if you're thinking about depression and insanity and fear in in our world of course you're going to have to think about um uh pharmaceutical drugs cuz like we now have those are available in a way um we have all these new drugs that are available that didn't used to be and like that's how we all cope with all of these kind of feelings of existential dread and panic and and uh, depression and and so on so i think it's a really interesting thing to explore and he he explores it in, in a few stories um and so um yeah i just had this strange idea of um you know ants a species of ant that eats dead bodies or that eats dead things And that somehow this ant produces this um, venom that makes people uh, that has this you know uh, uh, effect, psychotropic effects. And um, I'm not quite sure how I came up with that, but I was like, this is an interesting idea. I'm gonna run with this, And, and then I was like, it's. It became this whole thing about this this drug, and what I like about that story, what I enjoyed. Well, I was wrong, is there is a narrator. The narrator has a is a character, but there's very little there's very little characters in the whole story. I mean, you kind of get a little bit from the narrator, but basically the entire story is just explaining the history of this drug and all this research that this guy did, the things he learned online about the drug and where it came from and the history of it, and and so on and so forth. So i i wanted to do something something like that where it's like it's a it's a piece of fiction that's really like you know it's sort of getting bits and pieces of internet research news stories current events and so on without the sort of traditional fictional apparatus of having characters talking to each other you know Mm -hmm. and so on so
0: yeah no that's that's really interesting um I so I'm curious like when you when you write a short story um do, do you kind of keep it closely guarded to yourself like with the let's talk about this set right here so that was eventually published into a book um did you like did you share these stories with friends? Um, people that could give input or did you feel pretty, pretty good about it? Um, once you went through your editing process to submit, um, did, you know, cause it, it's like a, it's a tricky thing when you want to share something with someone to get like honest feedback. But, you know, th- even if you trust them, their opinion is still just their opinion. You may disagree with what they say. Um, and, but it can get in your head in a weird way. Um, so I, I'm always interested in that, like with, with writers, how they approach like um, like sharing their work before it, it is eventually published. Do they um, do they limit it? Yeah. Just just interested in that in that right there. Yeah. Um, so I like
1: I said, I've been writing fiction for a long time. Um, and so I feel like <clears throat> with these stories, and you know, this is like my first real book. I like I said I wrote a lot of short fiction in my early 20s and then I sort of embarked on these ill-fated long sort of book projects that didn't that weren't very good and didn't really come to anything but I was writing all through my my 20s and I I feel like I learned a lot. I got better and better. I was reading a lot. I was in school studying literature, so I was reading and thinking about literature. I was writing a lot of fiction and but it was never really you know i feel like it was a sort of long apprenticeship but it by, by the end of that though i felt like i started to feel really confident and feel like i had discovered like my voice and my kind of like sensibility i knew what i wanted to say and and my i had a, a strong sense of like my own um you know like my voice and my style and so by the time i was writing this book I felt pretty confident being able to be honest with myself and know like if I write a bad story like I can tell I can be honest with myself and be like this sucks I'm like I not <laughs> no one needs to see this um this is going in the the archive you know um so these stories um honestly no I didn't really get um I'm trying to think well I was in Um, when i first started writing this collection i was um and i'm still so i'm an adjunct professor so i teach first year writing classes to college students um in new york here in new york and in new jersey when i first started writing this collection i was adjunct teaching in maine where i was living and i got these like free tuition credits because i was teaching so i took a fiction workshop because I knew the person who was teaching the workshop and it was a great experience. And I actually started um, writing the book at the same time I took that workshop. And so I got the first story. I got some feedback through that process. Other than that, though, um, no, I basically just wrote all this stuff on my own. I mean, I did, I do share things I'm working on with close friends. Like I mentioned earlier, my friend Matthias, he called me and told me about his crazy dream And so I wrote the story about his dream. And of course, I shared the story with him. I was like, you know, this is almost like your story, and you have some ownership over this. So I'm going to send it to him. But for the most part, um, I feel like, at least for me, if I um, talk too much or share too much of something I'm working on, it's almost like breaking some kind of seal. It's like, you know, if you're making wine. Um, you have to have you, there has to be like this sort of like airlock so that the carbon dioxide can leave the the glass jar during the fermentation process or the cask but you don't want bacteria or like f- the insects or whatever to get in and contaminate it so i feel yeah, I it's kind that. of a strange metaphor but oh no, it makes so different. much
0: sense <laughs>
1: you, you, i have to when i'm writing when i'm working on something i need to have this sort of like um not completely hermetically sealed but i need to have it somewhat contained because otherwise i'll start to like i don't know i just need to be fully into it and not really thinking about what other people are going to think and i need to just write it once it's done i'm obviously happy to share it and get feedback um but but yeah like i said at this point i think for you know getting feedback is can be really important um especially well it depends on the project but for short fiction i feel like especially these stories are so so strange i'm like you know i don't know if anyone (laughs) i just kind of have to figure out what i'm trying to do with some of these pieces and
0: yeah well i'm sure like the it'll find its audience because i know like lydia who got this book to me like um I think she she must know my taste because it was like it, I was I just immediately fell in love with it and I think this is definitely a book I'm going to like read different stories from time to time. Um, I am curious about just like cuz I mean it is pretty recent. It didn't it, it came out in like I think the last day in August. Uh, so what, what has been the feedback? Have you had, have you had much feedback? I know sometimes like I talked to a lot of authors and they put something out and it's almost like they're in kind of like this vacuum where it's like, it, it feels it's real, but then it doesn't feel real. But the thing is out there in the world, people, people can get it. And people are undoubtedly like somewhere. Someone's reading this. That's, I think that's a safe bet. Even if a book is selling a lot or a not or not a lot. Um, Someone's reading, so it's just like it's out there in the world. Um, first of all, how does since this is your first like published thing, how does that feel to have something um out there like that? Um, you know, does it feel like exposed or I don't know, but it's got to be an interesting feeling for the first time to have. I think it never goes away. I've talked to authors who always, you know, they put out a dozen books and it's a similar you know, depending on the person, they have their own specific feelings. But now that it's out there in the world and then any like just, you know, people who have enjoyed the book and, you know, any any comments that have you you've found interesting, um, some takeaways that people have have ta- have taken from it um, that you necessarily hadn't thought of before?
1: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, it feels great. It definitely feels great to have it out there. Yeah. Um, you know it's very exciting because like i said i've been writing fiction for a long time and i've always i've always struggled with um um writing or being tr- committed to to um writing what i see as being a sort of uncompromisingly strange uh kind of fiction and i mean i love artists and filmmakers and writers who really are again you know uncompromising and just they want to do something kind of weird and they don't really care if people like it um i think that's that can be uh really amazing i mean one of my favorite um uh short story writers is lenora carrington who is a surrealist painter she's most famous as a painter she's really amazing she also wrote short stories. Which are extremely extremely weird i mean there's nothing like it um i mean they're like these just bizarre kind of dreams and fairy tales some of which make absolutely no sense um and it's because like these are the these are the kind of the the images she wanted to uh kind of work with and the stories she wanted to tell and so she just told them and didn't i think really worry too much about what people would think and that's kind of the idea of surrealism is trying to express this kind of you know, vision that's, that's inside of us without worrying about whether or not it's going to make sense. Mm -hmm. And so that's always been my approach to fiction. And so then finally having this book out, where it's like, people are going to, you know, uh, read this, and I'm like, I have no idea what people are going to think about this stuff. I think I've reached a point where I like, I'm really proud of this book. I think these are some really cool stories. But I recognize that, some of them, like I was saying, especially some of the stories in the middle of the book, uh, like the monarchs <laughs> and um, grotesque, like these are like really weird stories. And um, no, but it's been great. And, you know, people are um, people seem to like it. I mean, it hasn't been out that long. But I mean, from what I've heard from people, I think people are enjoying it. And I think that there's enough um the diversity in the book that if even some of the stories are just kind of bizarre and alienating, that there's maybe other pieces that people will res- will respond to. Um, and so to your to your <clears throat> second part of your question about being surprised by what people have had to say, I, it is just interesting to hear from people and to know um, the moments in the book that different people kind of connect with.
0: Um,
1: that's always interesting to to hear.
0: Yeah, I, I I'd imagine I mean I think when I think back to, to short stories books of short stories that, that I've read before um I'll usually like skip a story or two if I'm if I'm not completely feeling it and then maybe I'll come back to it later but with this I found I read everyone I read everything like from beginning to end like no skipping around read straight through was like super excited for the next one um and uh, you know I think you're right it has like something for everyone on some, some level. So if it's like, they're not feeling, if it is a little too <laughs> weird for, for them, which I love, like the weirder, the better for me. Uh, but I could totally see that where, you know, they may want to they get freaked out about, <laughs> I know what you mean about the monarchs. That's funny. But um, yeah, I, I, I think like, and, and like, I just want to go back to just how impressed I am with you know just the short story i have so much respect for sh- short films and and short stories when they're done exceptionally well because it does seem like such a difficult thing to pull off to bring someone that quickly into a world and to make it believable you know even if there is like supernatural or occult stuff in it or 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 just stuff that's like seems uh, you know like the you know, the, the prescription drugs or whatever. So just stuff that you're, you're taking, you're making people take somewhat of a leap of faith to kind of like get into this world. Um, And like I said, for me, it works. And um, I I am like, I'd love to hear about some of the right other writers. You've mentioned a couple already, but just some of the other writers, short story or, 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 or novel, or non-fiction, or, or anything, really, um, what were some of the writers you were drawn to um, now, or when you were younger, when you were kind of getting into this world? I always love hearing what people are um, yeah. Loved reading.
1: Um, yeah, so I mentioned Ligotti and Lovecraft and Menorah Carrington, who are all uh, huge for me. I would also definitely say um, Robert W. Chambers, who wrote this book called The King in Yellow. <laughs> and this was in like the um, 1880s or 1890s. It came out and it's a very strange book. It's actually, it's a collection of interrelated short stories. And um, several of the stories have to do with this play that causes people to go insane when they read the play or see it performed and, um, and it's in a really strange book. and I love it. And that was the direct that was a very direct influence on the first story in my book, The Brooms of Carlack, which is about these paintings that are kind of sh- depicting this other alternative kind of weird world, other world, and people see the paintings and kind of they become obsessed with them or they go crazy. Um, that was directly influenced by Robert W. Chambers, who I love. Um, and uh, yeah in terms of short fiction whenever i was growing up i really loved um lovecraft and its in the writers who were around at the same time some of whom were his friends like clark ashton smith who wrote these like really weird um just strange fantasy and horror stories um and like frank belknap long um and Robert E Howard and like some of those people this is for like the 1920s and 1930s and um I think I was kind of um you know whenever I was a teenager was during this time when Lovecraft was experiencing I mean his reputation's been slowly growing since like the 1980s he's becoming more continuing to become more and more famous and like kind of well entrenched in popular culture um and that was continuing to happen when I was when I was younger Um, but, uh, which has been interesting to watch him, you know, now there's like the, uh, he's, I guess like almost like a household name at this point. Um, but, uh. No, whenever I was like reading Lovecraft whenever I was in middle school. I don't know if that was really good for me psychologically, <laughs> emotionally, but Maybe no, it was great.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's um. great. But no, you're right. It's like it has kind of like he has taken on like, what what wasn't there that show? I can't, the name's slipping me, but there was a TV show that was... There was there was like a lot of Lovecraft element, and they mentioned him a lot in it. I forget what yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, there was
1: Lovecraft Country. Is that
0: the one you're? That's it. Yeah, oh, his that, name's in. Yeah. yeah, his name's in the yeah, title yeah. right there. So there you go. Um, that's cool. Any so okay, so I I I want to give a shout out definitely to the the press that that put the book out. Um, where so Hyperidian Press uh, put the book put put out cursed images. Um, Where is the best place or is there a best place where would you like people to pick up a copy of this um, if they were to order it online? Are there any like bookstores that you are especially fond of or websites or whatever or yeah, where where, where are some places we can help promote, you know, give give them some business too?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest (laughs) <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm maybe not supposed to say this, but because, okay. yes, we should all be supporting independent bookstores. And I mean that on I like seriously, like that's that's good. But if you buy the book on Amazon, the, the advantage of that is, you know, I don't know, you can leave a review and yeah. give me a five star rating. So that's great. I mean, or you can buy the book directly from the publisher, you know, Hyperidian um, dot com. It's uh, it's there. Um, but yeah, it's it's available through Amazon and like Barnes and Noble um, if you want to buy it online. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's at some uh, shops in uh, if you live in New York, I think they have it at unnameable books in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, if you buy it online, definitely leave a a positive review. Although, as my mother taught me, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> just don't say, <laughs> maybe don't say anything at all.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think a lot of people don't like it. Those those reviews carry weight, you know. They the, do. Yeah. They yeah. Co- so, Goodreads, Amazon. Um, oh yes, Goodreads. Yep, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely leave a review. I mean, I I'll leave a I'll leave a review, uh, but I think it does yeah. it does it does help. I think it, it pull it holds more weight than a lot of people might realize. Um, I think it does. And,
1: you know, then this is so, you know, this is my, um, this is my first book. I don't really have, um, much of a, you know, uh, uh, presence. Yeah. This is my, the first thing I've had come out, but I am, um, I've got a, uh, this novel that I'm working on, which is like my next, um, my next project. So, um, I'm really excited about this book. Yeah. People should definitely read it. And, um, if you like it, um, this uh, novel I'm working on is actually completely different, but also kind of in a similar. I mean, it's it's written by me, so it's in a similar vein, although it's uh, it is going to be quite different. But be on the lookout for that. I don't know when that's going to come out, but it's basically done. So I'm going to I'm going to start shopping that around uh, okay. to publishers soon. Yeah.
0: That's great. Um anywhere I was trying to find you on social media so I, I, I you know I think that's awesome if you're not on social media but if you are that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome too. Is there anywhere um online people can find you or is that not- No, that's great. You know, I I actually
1: wasn't for years. Like most of my 20s I just avoided social media. But then a few about like 3 or 4 years ago I got on Instagram. So I'm I am on Instagram. You can find me. Um, Grimoire 91 is my Instagram. Grimoire, like the book of spells. <clears throat>
0: you can find me on there. Great. Um, cool. So I'll put links to all this where people can pick up the book. Uh, definitely, you know, if you read it, put a put a review, put a good review. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great book. So I think like, I don't think you're going to have any problems there. People just have to type it up. Um, again i love the book like it's incredible i can't wait to like talk to my friends and just tell people about it i think i think it definitely um deserves a broad audience but anything else you want to say as we kind of wrap up here today
1: um no i don't think so except just to say um yeah thanks for having me on thanks everyone for listening and again like yeah i'm really excited about this book um uh, yeah i think uh like you said there's not well you said there's something for everyone there's not really something for everyone but <laughs> <laughs> there is a, i mean i think you know but if you like if you're attracted to kind of like weird and dark kind of side of what of the possibilities of what fiction can be then i think there's definitely something something for you um but but yeah thank you so much this is a great conversation thank you for for having me on
0: Absolutely! Again, everybody, the book is *Cursed Images*. Um, Ruben Dettinger, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great. I look forward to reading your novel. Awesome! Thank you.